You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. Today is September 12th, 2021. This is episode 148 of season 3, 213 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. What I just read for you is a very short selection, not like yesterday's episode in which I read for you the entirety of Isaiah chapter 3. This selection from God's Word comes out of Proverbs 9, specifically, verses 7 to 9, even more specifically. I want to talk in this episode about agreeing agreeably and disagreeing agreeably. Because all too often in our day and age, in a post-truth, post-modern, modern, materialistic, self-esteem-obsessed society, we don't handle this agreement very well. Can we all agree on that? We do not disagree well. We have lost the art of being able to argue. And when I say argue, your misunderstanding of what I mean is exactly what I'm talking about. When I say the word argue, most people think that arguing is the same thing as quarreling. It's the same thing as being contentious. It's the same thing as fighting and bickering. And to some extent, because language and the use of words and the meaning of words can change over time, there is some validity to that because the way that we form arguments all too often is that we throw logical fallacy after logical fallacy at the people who stand between us and what it is we want. What it is that we want is our ideas to win the day. We want our thinking to carry the day. We want our proposal to be the thing which is enacted. And yet, an argument in the classical sense is just a proposition. It's a proposition stated clearly, ideally, with supporting evidence, with clear rationality, and open to reason. If I make an argument, I'm saying, this is what I believe to be true. This is what I think is good and right. This is what I think we need to do. Here are my reasons. And ideally, I'm going to give you sound reasons. And I'm going to be honest and forthright and clear and direct and organized 
in my presentation of information, I'm going to be gracious and respectful and dignified and holistic, but also precise. And when I've made an argument, you will have the option to consider the argument and either embrace it, reject it, or come back with questions and a counter argument. And your counter argument might be to ask whether some of the supporting evidence I'm citing is being correctly interpreted, whether it's factual, what are my sources, how do I know these things to be true, which I'm saying support my proposal. And then ideally, I listen to your counter argument and I give you an answer for each of the questions you've asked. This whole process breaks down. If we don't listen to each other, if we don't consider the other person as being as important or more important than ourselves in humility, this process breaks down. If we're talking past each other, if we're not really listening, if we're slow to listen, but we're quick to speak and we're quick to become angry. And this is why when we read in the book of James in the New Testament, we're told, we're commanded by the scriptures to be quick to listen, not quick to speak and not quick to become angry, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. All too often in a post-truth society where self-esteem is all important and where our feelings and our need to self-actualize what we think about ourselves and what we want to be true about ourselves causes us to meet strong emotions in other people with strong emotions of ourselves. And so someone makes a claim and we don't like it and we get very offended and we get very upset and we respond with offensiveness in turn. We respond to their anger with anger of our own. We react, but do we respond really and truly to the substance of what the other person is saying? Now you could say, yes, Garrett, that's fine. That's well and good. But a lot of folks are idiots. And I would agree with you. A lot of folks are idiots. And so their arguments don't make sense. Their proposals don't make sense. What they think needs to happen is not going to work. What they think is true is not, in fact, actually true. What they want is not reasonable. It's not good. It's not honorable. And moreover, if you tell them that, even in the most gracious, kind, gentle, patient, reasonable of terms, they will hate you for it. Not only will they hate you, but they will abuse you. They will hurt you in any way they possibly can. So, for instance, if you have a job, they'll try to destroy your career. If you have some kind of office, a public office, an office in the community, in the club, in the organization, they will try to get you removed from office for having told them in clear terms however gently, however respectfully, no, that's not a good idea. And here's why that's not true. And this is why that's not right. And this is why 
they will abuse you and they will injure you in any way they can. And increasingly, as our cut flower ethics wither more and more, apart from the roots, which a living plant requires to live for any amount of time, the injury they will do to you will be more and more extreme and dramatic. So, what do you do about that? What's a person who is reasonable, who knows the truth, who knows what is good, supposed to do about people who are unreasonable, who refuse to be corrected? In fact, not only do they refuse to be corrected, but they are going to try to get you back for correcting them. They're going to try to hurt you in however many ways, as deeply as possible, as they possibly can, to get you to never do that ever again. What are you to do with folks like that? According to Proverbs 9, 7-9, which I read at the top of this podcast, you do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Let me say that again. You do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. That's verse 8. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. But if you reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. And not only will you hate the way that he relates to you, but you're going to hate what he does to you. He's not just going to be obnoxious. He's going to be hurtful. He's going to try to wound you. He's going to try to harm you. So then we see in verse 8, do not, don't, don't do it. Stop, get some help. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, however, and he will love you. So here we see the compare and contrast between those who are wise and those who are fools. And sometimes we have to think long and hard about whether we want to be a wise person or a foolish person. And you can get into Ecclesiastes and you can say, what is the profit of being a wise person versus being a fool? The same event happens to them all. Make sure you read Ecclesiastes to the very end and don't stop short. Because if you stop short with Solomon explaining at length and in detail how the same event happens to the wise man and the fool, the rich man and the poor, the righteous man and the wicked, if you stop short as he's still engaged in the questioning and the examining and the going back and forth very thoroughly, very poetically, if you stop short, you might get the wrong impression that there is no difference. There is no benefit to being wise, rich, righteous. And yet, if you read to the end, you find that there is a benefit because God sees. God sees that you are endeavoring to be wise and wealthy and righteous. And if you're endeavoring to do those things to God's glory because you love God and you love the people around you and that you love the people that are under your care, then God sees that. And even if you're going to die. It's appointed once for a man to die and then comes the judgment. Even if that is going to happen to you, all the same. God rewards those who do what is right. God rewards those who are righteous. They are right with him. 
God sees all. He knows all. He is just. He is faithful. And yet we find this difficult thing where we say, well, who is righteous? There's none righteous. No, not one. But wait, there's more. Also, again, don't stop. Keep reading till the end where we find that those who are righteous are commended by God. God declares them righteous by virtue of his grace through faith in his son and the gospel. And so we find that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And if we acquaint ourselves with the gospel, then we are able to be wise. If we acquaint ourselves with the fear of the Lord, a sober judgment with regards to his proper place in the universe, in our hearts, in our minds, then we have the ability to be wise. And that kind of wisdom, God rewards exceedingly richly. And those kinds of riches are what Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to in the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who found a pearl of very great price and sold all that he had to purchase that. And he was exceedingly glad. He found treasure in a field and he buried it and he covered it up and he sold all that he had to buy that field because he knew that what he was gaining in the transaction was far more than what he was spending. This is very much related to having no fear of men who can only kill the body and then have nothing more they can do to you, but fearing God who can kill the body and throw the soul into hell. But again, we hear that as modern people, as products of this self-indulgent, humanistic, secular society. And we think to ourselves, how can it be good that we are called unrighteous or wicked or told to repent? How can that be good? It doesn't feel good. I don't like the way I feel when I hear this. I don't want to hear this. Well, I've got news for you. You might just be the scoffer who gets all upset when he's corrected, when he's reproved. Reproving is the same as correcting or near enough. A scoffer hates being corrected and will injure the person who tries to correct him. But a wise man will love you for correcting him. And why is that? It's because the wise man realizes if he really does need correction, then he wasn't right, but he wants to be right. And the only way he's going to be right in the future is if he embraces the process of being corrected. The wise man loves to be instructed because he gets wiser. A righteous man loves to be taught because he increases in learning. So if you're wise, you give instruction to wise people and you teach the righteous because they will love you for it. They will thank you. They will appreciate it. And they won't try to injure you and abuse you. And they won't hate you for it. Now I say all this and you might wonder to yourself, Okay, Garrett, this is very fine. These are great platitudes. Thank you so much. What is this all about? Why do you want to talk about this? Where is this coming from? Besides the abstract 30,000-foot view of general condition, uh, 
how our society has oriented itself, these big ideas that are hard to understand as far as philosophy and trends and how did we get to where we're at right now, where people think this way and they act this way. Where's this coming from? Why do you want to talk about this right now? Well, let me tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you my story from today, in fact. Since we all, as products of modern or postmodern, if you will, American society, to some extent, suffer from a kind of chronological snobbery, which is to our detriment, and we have to work very hard to resist that urge to look down on things that happened a long time ago as though they are just as relevant today as they were when they happened decades, centuries, millennia ago. Since we all struggle with that, I'll tell you a story from today, which is about as fresh as I can get. This morning, I got up early, because that's how I roll. And Benjamin Franklin in Poor Richard's Almanac says, Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so, I am trying to teach my sons and my daughter that. And I'm trying to embody that and exemplify that. And so we try to get to bed at a reasonable hour. And when you do that, lo and behold, you happen to wake up earlier. So I wake up early, sometimes earlier than I would like, but it just happens that my internal alarm clock goes off about 4.30 to 5 a.m. every morning. So I'm awake. I'm up. I'm at them. I take my four older boys with me to church this morning because I had an opportunity to help with music at Summit View Community Church in Evans, Colorado. Myself and Lucas Abernathy practiced music, set things back up. A lot of things were unhooked, so we hooked them back up, figured out the order, figured out who was singing what, and then we practiced. And we practiced for about an hour and a half. And at the end of our practicing, or long after the end of our practicing, it was time to go up there and do it for reals. And when I say for reals, I don't mean that practicing was less worshipful, but I mean we were practicing to lead praise and worship through music, through song, for our local body of believers. Thank you to Lucas Abernathy for heading that up, for faithfully serving in that regard, for choosing selecting songs which are theologically true, but also skillfully played. Thank you for being so diligent and doing such a good job and for inviting me to help you with that in the vocal department this morning. But we get up there and we sing. And then Paul Pavlik comes and gives a sermon and it was an excellent sermon. And thank you to Paul for faithfully, diligently bringing the word of God to bear out of Hebrews, bringing it to bear on our spiritual condition, our hearts and minds, our whole selves. And then we get back up and we lead in four more songs. We started with one and a reading of Psalm 102. And we concluded the service with four songs and then announcements and then the end of the service. So for those of you who listen in, who haven't been to church for a long, long time, you don't go to church, you've never been to church even, if you're ever in the area, please, by all means, 
come see us. Join us. But the service concludes after announcements. Since I drove separately, I go and talk with my wife and I say, I'm going to run and grab some food. So I run and grab some food from Jimmy John's. I like the number 10, by the way. If you're ever trying to get me lunch, feel free to pick up a number 10 with jalapeno chips and a Dr. Pepper. Because that's how I roll. I get my lunch. I bring it back. I don't bring it in immediately because I think to myself, there still are a lot of vehicles in the parking lot and a lot of folks are probably still gathered around, chatting, talking with one another, visiting, having relationships. And not all of them are going to stay for the leadership training in the afternoon. And I don't want to bring food in and make it awkward. So I'll wait. I'll come in. I'll talk with some folks. I'll see if anyone else is eating. And if anyone else is eating their meal that they've brought in, I'll go get my meal and bring it in. And I'll eat with them. So I do this, eat my food, had a really fine conversation with Lucas Abernathy, Virginia Rogers, Liz Messer about books. Talked about books. It was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking about books, by the way. So what pairs well with Jimmy John's? The Hunter sandwich, jalapeno chips, Dr. Pepper. Talking about books. Happy Garrett. Finish up my food. We're still talking. And leadership training starts. And so to give you a little bit of backstory for those of you who listen to this podcast, but you're not part of Summit View Community Church. You're not aware of these things unless I tell you. I'll spell it out. I'll describe it. I'll paint you the picture with my words. The leaders of various ministries at Summit View Community Church were to have their first in a several session training program put on by Paul Pavlik in particular and Mike Bonnell as the pastors of, of Summit View Community Church. A, a leadership training to talk about how do we lead well? How do we run this race well? And how do we lead others well. And those of us who are leaders, okay, great. This is for you. And those of us who aspire to be leaders, this is for you too. And you should be in on this. And so why not? Why not be there? Why not attend? So I signed up and I was there and I was happy to be a part of it. And I may not be in possession of some big authoritative title. And actually, I think that is all for the best. And I'm very content with that fact. But I still am invested and I still wanted to be a part of this and I had an invitation and so I attended. And one of the main texts for this training was a certain book which I have talked over the past four months on this podcast about. I've had two podcast episodes devoted pretty much exclusively to my concerns with this book, with certain aspects of this book. And besides that, I have sprinkled in illusions and comments as I'm thinking about it. And here's where this all ties in with Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. 
I really appreciated this training. And when I say I really appreciated this training, what I mean is I thought that Paul and Mike and all of the leaders present engaged the topic of how to be healthy and balanced and honor God and have longevity in training, in equipping, in correcting, in reproving, in instruction under righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I think all parties concerned engaged in that process in a really honorable, healthy, edifying way. And I'm glad that I was there for it. I don't like some of what I see in this book. That is one of the bases for the training. I don't like some of the things that I see in this book. And I disagree with some of the things that I've heard read by Paul David Tripp outside of this book. I'm concerned about some of those things and I've stated my concerns and I've argued my case. And when I say I've argued my case, I hope that I can say I've argued my case without being contentious, but while also being clear. And yet, I want to be also clear in saying that disagreeing does not mean I take my ball and go home when things don't go exactly the way that I want them to go or in exactly the way that I would do them if I were making the decision. So I was very clear in my two episodes where I talked specifically about lead by Paul David Tripp that I would not recommend this book to immature Christians who might not have a great deal of discernment because I would be concerned for them that they might read some of these things and get the wrong idea and get the wrong impression. And they might read other things by the author and they might get the wrong impression and they might agree with things they ought not to agree with. I made my case. I stated my argument. And yet I don't believe, and I believe I even said this in the first podcast episode where I talked about this. I don't believe that we should only read books that we entirely agree with by people we entirely agree with on every last thing. I think that's an unhealthy way to go about developing our minds, guarding our hearts, engaging with our responsibility to be in the world, but not of it. I think what's far better is that you engage material by people you disagree with on the chance that you being reproved or corrected or instructed will make you wiser and help you to increase in learning. Now that said, it's a two-way street. And so I don't believe it's good or wise or healthy or mature to read or listen to anything apart from God's word uncritically. I don't believe it's good or wise or advisable to hear things by fallible, finite men and to embrace them without being Bereans about what it is that they're saying. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's what we should do. But to say we examine things closely, we consider them carefully, 
we search the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. To say all that is not the same thing as saying that anything goes, no holds barred, you can disagree any old way. No, 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 no. Sometimes, particularly in our context, like I talked about earlier, it is easy to confuse correction for scoffing. And I think that's part of why scoffers scoff when they're corrected. Because they don't discern the difference between scoffing and correction. They think the two are the same. If you correct them, you're mocking them. And so they're going to mock you right back because that's all they know. And they don't engage in good faith in the process of correcting and being corrected. They have a dysfunctional, seared conscience, if you will. And we don't want to be that way. In fact, we're we're commanded to not be that way. We are advised strongly to not be that way. There's many reasons regarding righteousness and wisdom which recommend not being that way. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Quick to listen means you might, if you're slow to listen, but quick to speak, quick to become angry, you might just get offended by something you ought not to get offended by. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that concerns I have regarding Paul David Tripp or his book are, in my view, an example of that. I don't think that I was being quick to speak slow to listen, quick to become angry. I think I see some things which are familiar to me from my study of political science, which I want to call attention to. But that said, in calling attention to things which you think might be a concern, might need corrected, might involve some instruction, even for those who are wise, even for those who are righteous. In calling attention, you have to be patient for one thing. You have to be patient because what if you're mistaken? Are you wise to where when you correct somebody who's wise and they correct you right back, you're hearing the correction? Are you thanking them and they're thanking you and you all get wiser together? Or... Is it a one-way street? And are you sure that you are correcting from good motives? Jesus says at one point in the Gospels, why do you say to your brother, you have a speck in your eye when you have a plank in your own eye? First, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will be able to see clearly to help your brother remove the speck from his eye. You hypocrites. So what we don't want to be is we don't want to be hypocrites who offer correction, but we're never correctable. That's a warped, perverse, and ultimately wicked attitude to have. And so a number of the conversations I've had back and forth about this book, about these topics, about social justice, about critical race theory, about wokeism, et cetera, et cetera, have involved back and forth. Now, I've had some old friends and some cousins and their spouses who have to varying degrees been willing to engage in that conversation in good faith. 
But you have to be patient and you can't rush to judgment that that conversation is going to be unwelcome, particularly if you're dealing with someone who is wise. It's not to say that they have all wisdom and they couldn't be wiser. And that's exactly what we read here in Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser, which is to say a wise man understands he has not arrived. He is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't understand all mysteries. By virtue of his being wise, he has embraced the fact that he doesn't know everything, he doesn't understand everything, and so he's continually hungry, searching, pondering, contemplating, meditating, working at getting wisdom and knowledge for himself. A righteous man will increase in learning when you give instruction, when you teach him. And so we have to be that way in part because we want to model that way of relating for the people around us whom we care about, who we want to be that way as well. And so again, this story that I have for you is that I go to this leadership training and everything was laid out diligently, carefully, intentionally. It isn't to say that it was perfect. It isn't to say that it couldn't have been better still. But it is to say that, in my estimation, it was faithful. It was genuine. It was honorable. It was healthy. It was beneficial. It was edifying. And what I'm trying to get at is our very great need to rediscover how to make an argument, how to listen to a counter-argument, how to have back-and-forth conversations where we discuss what is proper, what is beneficial. And we have to be able to listen quickly and speak slowly. And sometimes speaking slowly, slow to speak, means that you don't have an answer right away. You show the other person that you really are thinking about what it is that they just said. That, I admit, is not historically my strong suit. I'm getting better at it as I endeavor, by God's grace, to get better at it. But that's just it. That's what I'm trying to say. We need to endeavor, by God's grace, to get better at that. And here's what I think will happen. And this does tie in with... Yesterday's episode about Isaiah chapter 3, if we will endeavor to get better at that, then the righteous will be told that it will be well with us. Even if there is judgment on our city, on our nation, even if the people are oppressing one another, even if all supplies, moral, material, are withdrawn and we are left destitute in the macro. God will bless that. God will bless that in our hearts and minds, in our lives, in our relationships, in our spheres of influence. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're going for? But of course. So that may seem like not enough. Like there's more to be said, but 
I think that is enough. I think that's a tall order. It's a difficult task. So I'm going to leave you with that, to think about it, to ponder it. As I continue pondering it, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot involved. But I want to thank you, as always, for listening. As always, until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.